Point of personal privilege, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because for me it opens up so many avenues of how we can learn to be a more spiritual being in God's world. And it's also so visual. John tells a good story, he adds lots of detail. And I think about those two men following Jesus through the marketplace, sort of as you would see in a spy movie. He takes a step, they take a step. He turns around, they pretend they're not even paying attention to him. There is something that has caught his eye though when he finally turns and looks at them. And they say, Rabbi, where are you going? And he utters those three words, come and see. For me in that moment, all of the scriptures are opened up, just like we hear at the road, on the road to Emmaus. But I'm getting ahead of myself. They stay with him for four hours, and John is always very conscious of time. He is the only person that writes in a gospel about at the third hour, at the fifth hour, when Jesus is on the cross. But they have been called by Jesus to abandon the lives they knew to walk away from everything, family, friends, a livelihood, relationships. And in that moment, I wonder if I would be able to do that. Father James Martin writes in his book, Jesus, A Pilgrimage, that when they drop their nets, it's a beautiful metaphor for all of the entanglements that these men have in their lives. When they drop their nets on that shore to follow Jesus, they are stepping out of time. They are stepping out of our time, clock time, into Kairos time, which is God's time. And God's time, as we know, is very different from how we choose to keep time. God's time has no limit. God's time has no end. But there's another interesting thing in this passage. That's why I'm reading from, I'm preaching from the pulpit. There's so much in here, I couldn't possibly get it up into here. They are called as individuals, the 12, but they are called collectively as a group. And as that group, they will move with Jesus over the next three years to learn from him, to eat with him, to heal with him. All of the things that Jesus does, they will do as well. And they will watch miracles happen. 5,000 fed, not once but twice. Countless people cured of all sorts of ills. And they too will preach and heal and become closer to Jesus than they ever thought possible. There are several reasons why they were so willing 
to let it all go, to let what they knew and who they lived with and who they loved to follow this man, this stranger who approached them. First of all, as we well know, they were waiting, as we still are, for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for the Messiah to come the first time, and of course we're waiting for the Messiah to return. So they would have been on guard in a good way to make sure that what they saw and who they associated with would bring them closer to that day. And Jesus came from Capernaum, which is told to us in the Old Testament that he was to come from that region, or specifically the region of Naphtali. Or they may have heard about Jesus. After all, after John baptizes him, we don't know the time frame when they all met up again, which says they may have already met, met him. They may have seen him in the marketplace, like I suggested earlier. Most importantly, though, it's Jesus' personality. He would have been so magnetic that it would have been hard for people to not come to him. We all know that there are leaders that are so charismatic that if whatever they said, excuse me, <clears throat> whatever they say, we pay attention to. Whatever they do, we follow. And Jesus was certainly that kind of a leader, that kind of a person. People wanted to get close to him. People wanted to touch him, be with him. So it only goes to show that they too, these men, would want to be with him. But most importantly, as I alluded to earlier, it was the right time. James Martin tells in his book about his own pilgrimage to becoming a Jesuit priest. He worked for GE and had a very high-powered job in finance. So it required that he work long hours. He was incredibly successful. But one night he came home and it was late and he heated up his TV dinner in the microwave and he sat down in front of the television. And when he turned it on, there was a PBS special about Thomas Merton. Martin writes that the moment he saw Merton's face in that documentary, everything changed for him. He wanted to have what Merton had. He wanted that peace that covered Merton's face, that, that glow. And he realized the only way to get that glow and that peace was to give up his job at GE, to walk away from everything, the things that entangled him, and to become a Jesuit. Now, becoming a Jesuit is no easy task. It takes years and years of study. But he felt that pull. It was so powerful for him that he couldn't let it go, that he actually had to stop working and go back to school. He was living in God's time, he writes. 
We too have that same invitation to step out of Kronos time into Kairos time, to stop watching the clock, to stop leaning our ladders, as I was saying to Andrew the other day, against the wrong wall, to walk away from those things that maybe are not that important to us, but we think that we can't live without. The mindless hours in front of the television, the scrolling on social media, any ways that we choose to anesthetize ourselves through food or alcohol or shopping, you know what I mean. We've all been there. We've all done that. I'm as guilty as the next person. But when I stop and I think, as I know you all do, about God's time, suddenly all of those cares and worries seem to melt away. They fall away. And like those nets, I am no longer entangled by the workaday worries. I can stop and think and reflect and meditate and pray on what it is God is asking of me, just as he asks of all of you. It's not an easy thing to do when we are bombarded with all kinds of noise. How I long for the days when I can go to the grocery store and there isn't music pounding in the background. That I can walk quietly and think about what it is I need to be doing rather than how I can get out fast enough so I don't need to listen anymore to someone else's choices. People are nodding their heads. I appreciate that. Thank you. Right at this very moment, Jesus is whispering in each of our ears, come and see. Come and see. I don't know about you all, but for me that opens up a whole new world, a whole new way of being and existing and caring about our beautiful planet and caring about one another. Come and see is such a gentle invitation. It is one that Jesus extends to us each and every moment of each and every day. Are we willing to step out and take his hand so that we truly can come and see all that he has to offer? We wouldn't be sorry, we are not sorry, when we take up the invitation. Amen.